Greetings and welcome to another Different Church Podcast. My name is Jarrett, and I hope you are having an awesome day. I'm recording this intro at 9.38 p.m. Sunday night. That's right. Getting it done early this week. Uh, let this be a streak. I'm going to do it next week, too, and maybe even the week after. <laughs> Actually, uh, that is a possibility because, <clears throat> as of this week, Tiffany is not working weekends right now. So that's pretty awesome. Uh, So I'm able to get to this a little bit sooner, and that makes me happy, which means I can get it in your ears even sooner. Um, Okay, so we've got a really cool service for you coming up. Uh, I called it the Super Unknown, which is a shout out to my uh, fellow elder millennials who um, liked Soundgarden back in the 90s. And for uh, the SpongeBob millennials or the Gen Zs, probably have no idea what that means but anyway at least at least sounds cool right the super unknown um hannah's gonna be talking about abram and going into the unknown uh, but before we get to that a couple of quick things number one first and foremost happy birthday to pastor hannah you rock uh depending on when you guys are listening to this her birthday was literally on sunday um, we started the service by singing happy birthday to her while she hid behind a curtain and no one could see her. So that was awesome. <laughs> um, also, we've got a couple things coming up on the schedule that I want to make sure you are aware of. Uh, this coming Sunday, if you are local, please do your best to come to church because we have a guest speaker. It is Jeremy, who normally hangs out with the kids during service. So some of you guys might not even really know Jeremy, but he is a huge part of what we do at Different. And he's going to be talking about sort of faith and mental health and the convergence and um, kind of engaging in faith with both sides of your brain. So I think it's going to be really cool. And one of the things that we try and do is anytime there's a guest speaker, we show up and we support. Also, we have a couple of cool things on the calendar. If you go to diff.church and click on events, you can see that we have got a Philippians small group, which is starting soon. It's going to be in St. Pete led by Taylor. And then on May 6th, the uh, we've got a Diff Church Beach Day at Treasure Island. Um, I've been seeing RSVPs come in for some of this stuff, so I know we've got some a good group going to both. Uh, you will not want to miss it. It's going to be super fun. Uh, Diff.church, click on events. Don't forget Jeremy next week. And without further ado's, let's hear it for Hannah. So our passage today is Genesis. 12, verses 1 through 4. This is what it says. You can read on the screen. It says, The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family. Go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. You will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you, curse those who treat you with contempt, and all the families on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord instructed, and Lot went with him. And Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. How many of you people have heard of Abraham? Okay, he's a pretty popular dude in the Old Testament. (laughs) He is the founding father of the Israelites. This is the beginning of his story. He's the original person who makes his covenant with Yahweh that like eventually is supposed to redeem the entire world that continues on through centuries of human history all the way to us. And we're like, yes, this culminates in Jesus, right? He's also a rather odd figure because despite his esteemed status as the father of the Israelites, he was not that great of a dude. Like, we find that, I think, over and over again in the Bible. We expect the characters and the stories to just act with a little more tact, decorum, 
anything worthy of their station, right? And they just do not. Abraham, among other things, tried to pass off his wife as his sister twice to save his own skin. Not once, twice. And, and part of me is like, well, why didn't she just him? Classy guy. But that's later. We don't know this about him yet. That's prejudicial to the jury. So put it out of your mind. We are encountering Abraham for the first time. His name isn't even Abraham. It's Abram. God hasn't changed it yet. And if you read the surrounding chapters of Genesis, you'll see that we don't know a lot about him. There's not a lot of backstory. Chapters 10 and 11 of Genesis move us through, like, from Noah's Ark to Abraham. It's like a long genealogy of, like, this guy had this kid who had this kid who had this kid. And eventually we get to Terah, who's the father of Abraham, who has two kids, one of whom dies, leaving Abraham. And Lot who's famous because his wife got turned into a pillar of salt. Genesis is wild. It appears that originally Abraham's father, Terah, was the one who started adventuring. They lived in some city named Ur, which is like big city at that time. And he decides to leave and go to a place called Canaan, never makes it there, settles for a reason we have no idea about in a place called Haran, which means crossroads, and just sets up camp. That's where they live. And now God shows up and is like, Abram, Go. Where? We don't know. We know nothing. Why him? We don't know. What was his credentials? What is his qualifications? What is his pedigree? Why was he even a righteous man like Noah? We don't know. Was he even a good guy? I think based on the rest of his story, we can go with a solid maybe at best. Was he educated or knowledgeable or just a solid dude? We don't know. Why did God pick him? The text is silent. Even more important, how does Abram know this is a God even worth following? Because like this is before the Ten Commandments, before Moses, before, it's before all the stuff in the Bible. It's the very beginning. What kind of experience did Abram have with God that made him take this seriously? It doesn't say. That drives me insane. We have almost no information. All we know is God says, go. And Abram is like, okay. And he doesn't even know where he is supposed to be going, which also drives me insane. <laughs> like if Josiah, my husband, were like, hey, we are going to go on a date. Okay. Let's get in the car. Where are we going? Just drive. No. <laughs> Hard pass. <laughs> I demand to know details. He'd be like, just go with the flow. No. I cannot go with the flow. I need to know what time the flow starts. I need to know how to be dressed appropriately for the flow, what kind of food we will be having at the flow. Do I need to pack a snack? Are we eating in a long time or are we eating immediately? I have so many questions. And God's like, just drive. I'll tell you when we get there. God doesn't even give him any information. He doesn't paint a picture of a land flowing with milk and honey like the Israelites get. God's like, okay, you're going to escape Egypt. You're going to go to a wonderful, magical place, right? No, Abraham does not get a brochure or a travel commercial with, like, pictures of a pretty forest and, like, goats jumping on a mountain and fish. No, nothing. Go to some place. Now, we know that he's eventually going to end up in Canaan. But he doesn't get to know that. He just has to go. Maybe he has some kind of inkling it's going to be Canaan since that's where his dad was headed, right? But we, it doesn't say that either. He very well could have been headed back to Ur, where he came from. 
There's no roads to get anywhere, mind you. There's no law enforcement to protect you on the way. There's no restaurants. There's no service areas to stop at. And once he gets to the place, wherever the place is, there's no communication with the people he left behind. Like he would very likely never see or talk to them again. He couldn't be like, oh, let's FaceTime <laughs> grandma. <laughs> no, he'd be like, well, goodbye. God told me to go. Where are you going? I don't know. But goodbye forever. If we ever make it back here, which we won't, <laughs> you'll be dead. That's, in ancient society, your tribe and your family was like a source of identity and economic stability and security and protection. Like to leave that fundamental social network was to put everything in your life and your family's life at risk. No pressure. I hate stories in the Bible like this. I want more details. <laughs> like did Abraham agonize over this decision? Did he spend months thinking about it in the middle of the night? Did he ask all of his trusted friends and mentors what they thought? Did he pray? What did prayer even look like for him? Could he be like, dear Lord? Like, what? He doesn't even know who this God is, really. Did he try to get out of it? Did he dig his heels in for a while, avoiding God's instructions? We don't know. We don't get to know. We know nothing. Um, I personally have heard some messages on this that are like, God told Abram to go, and the next morning he packed up his belongings, his whole family, all his animals, and every piece of nonsense that he owned, and they set off. I hope sincerely that it was not a split-second decision, because otherwise this guy's nuts, right? Like, it would be kind of hard to respect someone who would make a change of that magnitude that affected that many people without taking the time to weigh the pros and cons. To make preparations, I don't know, to hold a family meeting, <laughs> allow other people to contribute to the discussion. Like you can't just be like, I've decided I'm gonna wake up tomorrow and be like, God told me to move to, where would be a place I would never move? <laughs> Nebraska. Is anyone from Nebraska? Okay, phew. No, that's right, because Nebraska is a terrible place. <laughs> um, no one's from there. No one gets out. You just die there. If God was, I would get up in the morning, but Josiah, God told me we had to move to Nebraska. And he'd be like, I'm sorry, what? Yeah, we have to go. I've already packed up our whole house. <laughs> Let's get it on the donkey. Let's go. <laughs> no, that's insane behavior, Okay. When, like, when we decided to start Different Church, it was not a split-second decision, okay? We, it was a thought, only a thought, for months. And then it was a prayer, for months. And then it was preparation, for months. For me specifically, I woke up, like, every night at 3 a.m., for months, thinking about it and praying about it. I tried to get out of it, honestly. Some of y'all know this. I said it was a bad idea. I, even I prayed that the church situation we were in that was not going well, it would be fixed so we could just stay, <laughs> And instead, God shut that door. And by shut it, I mean, yeah, Jarrett knows. <laughs> shut, shut is, um, what's a better way to put this? God slammed that door and booted us out on our butt. And we, like, we didn't have to go to an unknown country. We were in Tampa. So, like, St. Pete was not an unknown country. But it was kind of unknown 
spiritual territory because we were cut off from our spiritual family, our friends, our support system. Not only were people from the before times, like we weren't even allowed to say goodbye to them. We weren't even allowed to talk to them about what we were doing or thinking or going. Like we were existed and then we were gone. And then we were trying to figure out what the heck we were doing with um, basically no roads to get anywhere and no organizational or denominational support and no spiritual refueling stations. And then, you know, we figured all that out. And then COVID happened three weeks later, which is a different story <laughs> for a different day. Like, what's the point? The first part of this passage is God being like, hey, I have terrifying news for you. Goodbye. But the second half is meant to reassure him that God will provide and make a path. It says, leave, right? Leave your country, leave your relatives, leave your family, go to where I will show you and I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. And you will be a blessing to others. In that tiny passage, the word blessing or bless occurs five times. It's a bit redundant. In Hebrew, blessing signifies like physical vitality, fertility, security, success in your undertakings. Basically the same thing it means now. And God's reassuring Abram that this sacrifice, this pain of giving up everything that he knows and his family knows will not be wasted. But I also think it's very significant that the opening words are not, I will bless you. It's I will make you a blessing to other people. The emphasis is not on Abram the person, but on the people who are going to come after him. Like for ancient Israelites, the whole point of being God's chosen people has to do with God's decision to use specific humans to bring healing to the larger human family that pretty much just knows trouble and pain. And I think one of the most liberating realizations we can have as humans is it's not really about us. It's kind of about us, but it's not about us. We can create some ripples in the world, but it's not about us now. It's about being good ancestors. It's about what kind of ripples we are making. Are we making ripples of trauma and pain and judgment and condemnation and regret and anxiety? Or are we making ripples of healing and wholeness and acceptance and love and faith and peace? Like, is different church about me? Kind of. But it's also about you. It's also about what comes after you. It's also about what comes after me. It's about creating a place of healing in the world and in the faith space that kind of depends on us, but it's not really about what's happening right now in this second. It's about the ripples that will be created. God chooses Abram for this long-term project of blessing the world, and it does not look like a good choice. <laughs> He's not a great guy. His wife is not able to have kids. Kind of hard to be a good ancestor, especially back then when you can't have kids. God's project basically seems doomed to fail before it even starts. But God speaks that promise into a barren family and a barren and conflicted world of humans. And actually, that's beautiful. The blessing isn't for you. It's a little bit for you. But mostly it's for those who come after you. Like God is saying, do you think that you've been cursed, Abram and Sarai? Do you think that nothing will come of your family? Because the same powerful and divine word that created the world at the beginning can just as easily create hope and possibility here. And what was the world created out of? Chaos. God's word brought order. 
It made an uninhabitable, unfriendly waste of space into a habitable, warm, and purposeful land for humans. The chaos was barren. Like, it couldn't bring forth anything but more chaos. If God had not intervened, the genealogy of our universe would just have been, and chaos begat chaos, which begat chaos, which begat chaos, which begat chaos. And then God spoke, and it created new possibilities. So the question is, what is your world made out of? Is it chaos? Is it all chaos? Part of it chaos? Have you resigned yourself to it being like that? Can we hold space for the reality that God can speak and create new possibilities? Can we hold space for the reality that's kind of about us, but it's really about all the other people who need us to take that journey? I think what's interesting about leaving is it always begins with saying no. Like Abram had to say no to where he is. He had to say no to his country, to his tribe, to his family legacy, that his father started to security, to knowledge about the future, to stability, to safety. He had to say no so that he could say yes to where he was going. And his no wasn't a rejection of everything that he had come from. It was a recognition that it had taken him as far as it could. And it was his duty, even his purpose, to make the next steps in the road. One of the things that helped me bring things into focus for me when Nova was like a newborn and I was drowning. Like I had to realize that every yes has a built-in no because I wanted to do it all. I still feel like I should be able to do it all. I'm a work in progress. But I wanted to do it all. I felt terrified of letting people down. I wanted to make sure everyone was taken care of. I felt like I should be able to give 100% at my job and also 100% at different and also 100% at my family and friends and also more accurately, a thousand percent to a baby because they're kind of all consuming. All based on what I used to be capable of before I had a child. And I kept being like, yes, 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 yes. I can do that, yes. I can do that, yes. That's fine, yes. Even when I was so tired, I couldn't think. I was like so overwhelmed, I was crying. Like I felt like I just had to keep doing things. And then I heard someone say that every yes has a built-in no. And I don't like that. Like if I said yes to texting someone at 11 p.m. when I knew that the baby was going to be awake at 12 p.m. to eat, that's a yes, but that's also a no to me. Right? If I said yes to meeting up with a friend, I was saying no to meeting, being with my family. And conversely, when I was saying yes to being with my family or getting sleep or prioritizing different church over my like, regular job, I was saying no to them. Do you think you struggle with boundaries? You don't. You're just putting them all on you. Every yes has a built-in no. You're already setting boundaries. It's just the boundaries that we set tell us no instead of the other way around. We have to change what we say yes to, right? What are you saying yes to right now in your life, in your mental health, in your faith? Does it seem like chaos is all around and that's all there ever will be? That your life genealogy will read, and then that chaos beget more chaos, which beget more chaos, which beget more chaos, and then we had kids, and we put that chaos on them. Or we chose not to have kids, so we just kept that chaos all inside, and then we exploded. If any part of your life feels out of control, hear the word of the Lord. 
Leave the faith you have been handed from your family. Your upbringing, your schooling, the church of your childhood. Leave the book of your life that has been handed to you colored a certain way. Leave the expectations of what you should be, should be doing, should be believing, should be experiencing, and go. Go to the land I will show you. You won't know the way, but you'll know it when you get there. And I will be with you every step of the way. I will sustain you when you are tired. I will support you when you have run out of resources. I will hold you up when you run out of hope. The path is for you, but it's not just for you. It's for the ones who are coming behind you. Go outside and take some steps in the uncharted territory of healing. Beat the bushes back of pain and trauma. Cut down the waist-high grass of anxiety and depression. Every step you take forward is a step someone else can follow. And I will bless you for your efforts. And I will bless you for your determination. And I will bless you for your willingness to try. And then you will be a blessing to others. Loved ones, when we are clawing through life, waiting for our physical needs to be met, it's difficult for our spirits to flourish. And when our spirits are weary and overwhelmed, it is difficult for our bodies to find peace. Jesus came back from the grave and spectacularly ate fish with his friends on a beach. What a wonderful gift of being alive we have. Holy God, unstick the places inside of us that keep trying to dig their heels in. Hang on, hold tight. Empower us to say yes to fate, to ourselves, to each other. May we go this week sprouting like flowers in the cracks of concrete. When all seems paved over, we will pop up in hope. Amen. <laughs>